0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Arise to Truth. My name is Wesley Simons and I preach for the Stony Creek Church of Christ in Elizabethton, Tennessee.
1: I'm Elton Mathers. I'm one of the instructors at the Tri-City School of Preaching and Christian Development in beautiful Elizabethan, Tennessee.
2: I'm Michael Jordan. I'm the Dean of Media for the Tri-City School of Preaching and Christian Development right here in Elizabethton, Tennessee.
0: Good to have these men with us. Good to have you with us. If you are where you can, go get your Bible, pencil, and paper, and for the next one hour, study with us. The greatest of all books, the inspired, inerrant, perfect will of God. Now, as you go to get that Bible, please, we beg you, stop by your telephone. Call a friend, a loved one. Tell them that the Arise to Truth radio program is on the air. If they are local... We're located 690 on your AM dial. But if they're out of city, out of state, out of country, tell them to get on the internet, top in arise to truth When our web page comes up, click on the banner that says listen live here. You got us. We're coming to you live from Studio A here at the Tri City School of Preaching and Christian Development. Now tell your friends or loved one that they can be a part of our program by calling. We'll be looking forward in hearing from you and all who've called in days gone by. Thank you much for being a part of the Arise to Truth Radio program. Now, fellas, today we're going to be looking at Psalm 90. And we're going to see that man has two problems. He's got a sin problem. And he's got a time problem. We're also going to see that God has neither problem. God does not have a sin problem. And he certainly doesn't have a time problem. And so open your Bibles to Psalm 90. And look at verse number one. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. I'm telling you. Whether the people lived back then under the patriarchal law, the Mosaic law, or today under New Testament Christianity, there's one thing that better be true about you and all responsible people who've ever lived or who is living or who shall live. And that is their dwelling place better be in God. God, have you determined a dwelling place for this, the Christian age? Absolutely. In Christ, all spiritual blessings are located in Christ. And there are no spiritual blessings that are located outside of Christ. Now, friends, if you're in Christ, you're in his body. If you're in his body, you're in his church. If you're in his church, you're in his family. If you're in his family, you're in his kingdom. If you're in his kingdom, you're in his army. If you're in his army, you're in his bride, part of the bride. And if you're part of the bride, then when that great marriage feast takes place, guess who's going to be there? You're going to be there. Now, as I mentioned earlier, all spiritual blessings are in Christ. Forgiveness of sins located in Christ Ephesians one seven. Our inheritance located in Christ Ephesians one eleven. Saving grace located in Christ Second Timothy two one. Salvation located in Christ Second Timothy two verse ten. Eternal salvation located in Christ according to what the Bible tells us. In 1 John five, ten and 11. Well, if that be true, that's where you and I are going to have to be. And the most important question we can ask ourselves, how in the world does one get into Christ? Well, one believes unto salvation, repents unto salvation, confesses unto salvation, and finally is baptized into Christ. Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? That is the concept of true New Testament Christianity. Our dwelling place must be in Christ for this, the Christian age. Now, every step I took under this studio was unto the studio until finally I stepped into the studio. And I can know right now whether I'm in the studio or not. Milton's in the studio. Michael's in the studio. I'm in the studio. See, God wants you to know when you're saved without doubt. And he so designed the plan of salvation that we can all know that. So, Milton, our dwelling place has got to be in Christ,
1: and it's always amazing when you talk to people. You know that you can get in Christ Jesus without baptism. You can get in in uh, Christ Jesus with just belief only, and and they leave out all the important steps in order to get in Christ Jesus. Evidently, they're not hearing the word properly, so they don't have faith. Romans chapter ten, verse seventeen: Faith comes by hearing the word of God. And really, they don't believe who Jesus is. Jesus says, "Except you believe that He, you'll die in your sins." In John eight, verse twenty-four. So they claim to believe Jesus, but yet they won't do what Jesus says. Reminds me, I think, in Luke chapter six, verse forty-six, Jesus says, "Except you, uh, why call you me? Why well, call you Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say?" So they call upon him, but they're not doing what he says for them to do. And uh, but yet they still think that they're saved. I know in this uh, radio program that we out the Mark chapter sixteen, verse sixteen. Jesus says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he believeth not shall be damned. So they claim, uh, many people claim because they believe Jesus they're saved. And then maybe later on down the road they're baptized if uh, they choose to do that, but usually to join some church. But they're really not saved. They claim to be saved, but they're not saved according to what Jesus says. So they're not doing what Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, verse 46. They're just calling upon him. But yet they're not in a saved state and how deceived that they are, you know, as mentioned often that we're our worst enemies ourselves and uh, we deceive ourselves thinking that, well, I'm okay. I feel like I'm all right, but that's just feelings only. It's not according to what the Bible teaches to get in Christ Jesus. You have to be baptized in Christ Jesus. Galatians chapter three, verse 26 and 27. Baptism puts one in Christ, as you talked about, we came in the studio, and to be saved you have to be in Christ Jesus, you just can't walk around and claim to be Jesus, but you have to be in Christ Jesus, and uh, it's sad that so many people are deceived thinking they're okay when really they're not, and uh, it's interesting that they think that the blood of Jesus covered him when he died on the cross. Can you imagine going back to the cross, which is an impossibility to do that, and stand underneath Jesus when his blood's dripping down the wood posts there, and maybe some trickle on people's head, and thinking that they would be saved because now that their blood's been covered over them? Well, that's an impossibility. That's not what he's talking about. He shed his blood for all people who would believe that to be the case, and uh, the blood will cleanse them. As we sing that beautiful song, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Christ. But how do we get make contact with that blood that washes away those sins? And that's in the water grave of baptism. Just as Jesus died and was buried, in Romans chapter six, verse three and falling talks about when you die to sin, you go in that water grave of baptism, dying to sin, and there make contact with that blood. That washes away your sins. You can't see it. You can't taste it. You can't feel it. But spiritually speaking, that's what God requires to do for a person to be saved. And that's what we need to do. It's getting back to Bible authority. get back to what the Bible teaches concerning what one needs to do to be saved. And uh, that's why we have this radio program. But still, people won't believe what the Bible says. Interesting. That's right, Milton. On this program...
0: We do not want you to take our word for anything. Your soul's too valuable. Hell's too hot. For you to listen to some preacher and wind up lost. So always check us out. Now verse 2 of Psalm 90 shows that God has no time problem. Now we do, but he doesn't. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth, And the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. So notice, God is from everlasting to everlasting. Now, that's a little hard to, you know, get a handle on and to understand completely. You know, you and I can kind of understand how from this point forward, We can always be because we have an eternal soul. But think about a being so awesome that as far back as you can think, he never had a beginning point. From everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Well, it's got to be that way. Now, let me say what I mean by that. Either matter is eternal Our intelligence is eternal. Because, friends, you're here. I'm here. The universe is here. Either it's always been and is self-sustaining and was able to bring itself into existence out of nothing, or else a supreme being did it. Well, a supreme being did it, and that supreme being... In God Almighty. Now, when you look at verse 3, Thou turnest man to destruction. Now, think about that. God gave you free moral agency. And he will send you a strong delusion or a working of error or let you choose to do whatever you will in this life. it's It's up to you. It's up to me. And sayest, notice what he says, though. Return ye children of men. He's pleading with us. Jesus pleads, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. The Godhead is desirous of your salvation and mine, so much so that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have an everlasting life. Now, again, I want to make a time point. Then I'll turn it over to these men to make a comment as they see fit on any of these verses. For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday, when it is past, and as a watch in the night. Time is nothing to God. A thousand years is like snapping your finger to God Almighty. It's nothing. A million years is like a second to God Almighty because he's not limited by time. But you're limited by time. From the second you were born, the clock was running on you, running on me. And one day it's going to run out. It's appointed unto man wants to die. So then we're going to have
1: to deal with the sin problem and with our time problem, Milton. It's interesting, too, when you talk about everlasting, that God's, God has always been, He's always will be. Everlasting, from the Greek word, anos, means never to come to an end, never to cease. In other words, God has always been there. But when you relate to, to us personally, when we was born... We were born to live forever. That's right. Everlasting. In the judgment scene in Matthew chapter 25, the Lord gives uh, the descriptions of what we are required to do when he comes the very last time, not here upon the earth, but for judgment to begin. And what we need to do is make sure that we take care of one another, feed them, clothe them, and so forth. Jesus says, when you've done it to the least of these, to my brethren, you've done it unto me. So, again, that's where we need to be submissive to Jesus. But because of the importance of everlasting eternal life or eternal punishment. And for those who did not take care of the brethren like they're supposed to, he says in verse 46, and notice these these verses. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. Everlasting and eternal comes from the same Greek word means never to cease, never to come to an end. So however long heaven is, is how long hell is, and how long hell is, is how long heaven is. And that's when you're in eternal life, you'll be in the presence of the one who has always been eternal, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And that's where life is. But can you imagine being in the eternal punishment forever where God will not be, nor Jesus, nor the Holy Spirit? nor those who live the faithful Christian life. Something to consider when you talk about everlasting. It's also used in Second Thessalonians chapter 1, again talking about when Jesus comes the last time. Beginning in verse 7, it says, "...to you "A trouble rest with us, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven, with the mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ." Who shall be punished with? Here's that word: everlasting destruction, from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. Be in a place where it's told where it's dark, where it's burning, where you can't. Uh, you're not annihilated, nor you know, cease to exist. It will be ongoing. You will never die. You will always be there, realizing. That you did not obey the gospel of Christ, or if you did obey the gospel of Christ, you did not live the faithful Christian life, and uh, especially New Testament Christians, and how sad that will be in a place of of torment and deep regret and sorrow, because they did not live faithful Christian life, and all them denominational preachers out there will be in that place, regretting what they preached to the to the people of their congregations where they preach, and uh, they'll be there as well if they don't repent and obey the gospel of Christ before it's, you know, before uh, everlasting punishment comes upon them. And all the people who listen to those preachers, you know, we try to tell people to open up their Bibles, follow along what the Bible says, and if your preacher is not preaching what the Bible says, then then you need to Get out of that denomination and belong to the Lord's Church, the only one that you read about in the New Testament. And uh, these things are something that you really need to consider and how important it is. I don't think people value their souls and all that what God did to go through the process of time, according to us in a way, that give mankind a chance to obey his son, Jesus Christ. He gave up a lot, gave his son. That's giving up a lot. Jesus gave up the eternal bliss to come here upon the earth and to walk around as like a human being, being tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin in order to give you and me and everybody else a chance to obey him according to the conditions that's required to become a New Testament Christian and to belong to the right church Which is Jesus' choice and God's choice, not man's choice. And so consider the everlasting part of this as as, uh, Psalms chapter 90 verse 2 teaches. And when you consider everlasting of where you might be, you will turn and come back and be qualified to be called children of God. You're not obeyed the gospel of Christ. You're not a child of God in that spiritual sense. By creation you are, but not by uh, the spiritual sense of it in the right church. So think about these things. And uh, time-wise, just like uh, time doesn't mean anything to God, time here means a lot to us. But when we're in eternity, there's not going to be no time. Not too late to do anything. That's
0: right. You know, Milton, you pointed out from the time we're conceived in our mother's womb, there'll never come a time when we'll cease to exist. Yes. We're that much like God. Yes. We're made in his image. And so then it's decision time here on earth, and we've got to make sure that we make the right decision. Now, I want you to notice that God will give man up to do ungodliness if man chooses to do that. As a matter of fact, the Bible makes it plain. The majority of people are traveling the broad way. Matthew 7, 13, and 14. Few there be that's going to find eternal life. But you got to make sure that one of the few is you. i got to make sure that's true of me. I tell my children and people I love, If there's not but one person that goes to heaven, you make sure it's you. Now, if I do that, if there's only one person that's going to go to heaven, and I make sure it's me, and you do that, then everybody will get to go. But as Milton pointed out, people are not that interested in their soul and safeguarding their own soul. Now, notice what God's going to do to the wicked, because he runs out of time, and because he has not covered his sins with the blood of the Christ, beginning with verse 5, thou carest them away as with a the flood. They are as a sleep. Look how fast time went by. In the morning, they're like grass which groweth up. In the evening, it flourisheth and groweth up. And in the, uh, I misread that. In the morning it flourisheth and groweth up. And in the evening it is cut down and withereth. Just that fast. Life is over. For we are consumed by thy anger, and by thy wrath are we troubled. Friends, the Bible teaches it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God you don't want to do that I don't want to do that but if a man lives here upon the face of the earth serves Satan and runs out of time and dies unprepared to meet his God then he's in trouble Wesley does God really know what I'm doing what my sins are? Well, look at verse number 8. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins, in the light of thy countenance. Oh, yeah. See, I think I'm a good enough actor to fool the average person that I could go out here and get involved in all kinds of sin and try to keep it hid from my fellow man, and I might do a pretty good job at that. But guess what? God Almighty's got me caught. And Judgment Day, I'm going to be in trouble because of that. See, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account for the things which we have done in this body, whether they be good or whether they be evil. According to 2 Corinthians 5, and verse number 10. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or evil. See, God's going to bring it all into the judgment and say, Some of these people I hear that's committed murder and gotten by with it. As far as mankind's concern. They didn't get by with it as far as God's concerned. Think about the men that's run around on their wives and their wives don't know it. And the wives that's run around on their husbands and the husbands don't know it. God knows it. God knows that. Think about people claiming to be members of the Lord's church and doing right, but yet as soon as they get home, they start hitting the bottle and get drunk or they take God's name in vain, or whatever the case might be, and that's the way they live. That's their lifestyle. But, boy, when it comes time to go to worship, they put on their Sunday go-to-meeting clothes, and they go to worship, and they look like they're holy. Man, these people love God with all their heart, so it appears, but God knows the truth. All
1: those secret things, Milton will be their Judgment Day yeah and how how sad that would be because people think they get by with just about anything but in really they're just deceiving themselves and uh we need to be careful about that because uh judgment is going to be pretty harsh and it's not easy to live a christian life you got to deal with denominational error you got to deal deal with all the murders and all the evilness out there in the world you got to deal with you know the old TV program that People sit and watch, you know, for hours, but they don't read and study their Bible. And uh, there's a lot of things to uh, get us off the track of where we need to be. Like Wesley said in Matthew 7, 13, and 14, there's two gates and there's two ways. You go through the narrow gate, leads down that narrow pathway, which goes to eternal life. You go down that wide gate, leads down the broad way, leads to destruction. That's where the majority of the people are going to go. And we hope it's not the case with you that's listening to the radio program today that you're going down that broad way because that's the popular way. That's where everybody's going. And surely if the multitude of people are going that way, surely it cannot be that bad. Well, the Bible says it is. If you follow the multitude, you're going to fall in the ditch with them. But here you're going to fall into a place of eternal uh, discomfort, a ter- uh, place of eternal sorrow and deep regret. So people need to wake up. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about waking up, spiritually speaking, not when you go to sleep and wake up in the morning, but spiritually speaking, wake up. Uh, it talked about in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, concerning uh, ver- beginning verse 10, and with all deceitfulness of unrighteousness of them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved, You know, the Bible over and over and over again explicitly makes statements of what's required to be saved. But yet people will be deceived and doing things that's not right, but thinking within their own selves that they're doing things are right. Well, God's going to send them a strong delusion that they should believe life. He's going to allow them to continue in that sin. When you read Romans chapter 1, I believe verse 18 and following, there's a whole list of things there that God's going to allow them to continue living that. Wesley mentioned a lot of things already, you know, people living in fornication, adultery, drunkenness, lying, stealing, murders. I mean, there's a whole host of lists that God says you need to be careful that you're not involved in that because it has to do with, with where you're going to spend eternity. James says we're like a vapor, you know, we're here and then we're gone. That's how short brevity of life is. And uh, we need to live according to the way that God wants us to live. As a psalmist is bringing out these beautiful verses about how important it is, you know, that we're here and then we're gone. And uh, what we need to do is make sure that when we are gone, that we're faithful upon that point in time, that we die faithful in the Lord, that we can be like the poor beggar in Luke chapter 16, where the beggar had died and he had an angel escort because he, he lived faithful according to the law he was under. If we're living faithful according to the law that we're under, which is the law of Christ, we've obeyed the right plan of salvation, we're in the right church, and we're living faithfully to that in worship service, Bible study, reading and studying the Bible, we'll get an angel escort into that place of eternal life. So we have the choice to make of which one we're going to serve, God or man. We want to serve God. And uh, these beautiful Psalms is pointing out some great principles, Wesley. You
0: got that right. Now notice verse 9. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. That's true if we live ungodly. Oh, you don't want to do that. We spend our years as a tale that's told. You know, one day people are going to speak of me in past tense. Do you remember Wesley Simons and when he said thus and so or did thus and so? People will speak of you in past tense. We speak of John Fitzgerald Kennedy in past tense. Mickey Mantle, past tense, Babe Ruth, even the great Apostle Paul, Peter, in past tense. Because they once walked the face of this earth, but now they're dead. They're dead in body, but their soul lives on. Now, if we passed our years here in God's wrath, what do you think we're going to receive The second we take our last breath, God's wrath, just like Milton said in Luke 16, the rich man, lifted up his eyes, being in torments. Then it says, and again, notice we have a time problem and a sin problem. Then verse 10, the days of our years are three score years and 10. Well, a score is 20 years. Three score and 10 is 70 years. If David wrote Psalm 90, you know how old he lived to be? 70 years of age. Now, when I was a teenager, if I knew somebody 30 years of age. He's old. I'd, oh, he's an old man. <laughs> Great Scott Milton, that yeah. guy. I yeah. couldn't imagine being 30. I know it. I couldn't wait to get 18, maybe to get my driver's license. 30? Yeah. Great, Scott. <laughs> now, as I look at 30, looking back, since I'm 72, I think, man, why, he hadn't even begun to live. You're an antique. Yeah. I asked Kay, you hear a while back, I said, Kay, you want to go to that antique store? Nope. I married one, yeah. So, <laughs> so sometimes Milton, yeah, we might feel like you know we are an antique. I know it. I'm older than you, so I must really be an antique. Oh, oh great Scott! <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm looking at a fossil. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, as you get older. Things start to wear out, Milton. Oh, no, they do. Those knees hurt. Yeah. Elbows hurt, and your head hurts, and your body aches. and Everything hurts. Everything hurts, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we need to appreciate the good health God's given us. Absolutely. We sure do. But now watch this. The days of our years are three score and ten. And if by reason of strength, they be four score years. Now, that's 80 years. Man, if you make it to 80 years. You're doing great. Mm -hmm. Yet is there strength, labor, and sorrow? Well, you got strength for a while, labor for a while, sorrow for a while. For it is soon cut off, and we fly away. That's where we get that great song. Some glad morning, Mm -hmm. when this life is o'er, I'll fly away. Now, some people think that's not scriptural, that it's not even in the Bible. Well, that tells me something. They haven't read their Bible. Mm -hmm. Because right here it is. We fly away. This is not our home. Friends, we're just sojourners, pilgrims. We're just passing through for a little while, preparing for eternity. Fall in love with this old world, and you're going to be lost if I fall in love with this old world, I'm going to be lost. We've got to realize our true treasures in heaven. And Milton, any other view is a false view.
1: That's it. You know, you talked about you know being an example of a tale that is told. Remind me of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2. Where Paul Paul's writing to the Corinthian brethren. He says, You are an epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. So, How we conduct ourselves before others is a tale told. That's right. We lie, we steal, cheat, you know, do all those ungodly things. We're telling them a story that we're truly not a Christian. And it's shameful the way some Christians act concerning the tale that they're telling other people. Milton, just think about this. You made a good point there. Charles Manson, dead.
0: But, boy, think about the tale that's told about that
1: ungodly life. Absolutely. There's a, another one, but his mind escapes me. Uh, Dahmer. Now, Jeffrey he, Jeffrey Dahmer. Now he here's a man that boy. You talk about a life. Not only was the other ones evil, but he cut people up and ate them. He sure did. You think about that? And then some Christian woman sent him a track while he was in prison. He read that track. Gospel preacher went in there and told him the gospel, and he obeyed the gospel he changed his life he had a different story to tell but somebody had to tell him the true story that's right you know jesus christ and uh for him to change his life and he did he died in prison but we far as we know that he died a faithful christian that's right so we need to make sure that you're out there listening audience as well what kind of life is is being told concerning you you know if you if you haven't obeyed the gospel of Christ, we, we encourage you to do so. If we can help you in that area, please let us know. We'll come and study with you and pray with you. And, and uh, hopefully that you change your mind about some things that you can be a uh, tale told to family members. I can remember my lifestyle as well as everybody here prior to obeying the gospel. I mean, I was an ungodly person, you know, uh, the language that came out of my mouth was wasn't very good. And some of the things that I did was, you know, very shameful as I look back up on it. And uh, when somebody taught me the gospel, it took them a while to kind of encourage me to do so. But when I finally did, then I had a different tale to tell. And people could see the difference. I no longer said those bad words. No longer drank those beers like I used to. No longer did a lot of things that was ungodly. And now they said, boy, that, that Milton, he sure has changed. Well, yeah, change for the better. (laughs) That's what we need to do, change for the better. So it will be a tale that's told according to what the Bible teaches, as Paul talked about here, that people can read us, and they do. You know, you talked about members getting all dressed up, going to church services on Sunday, you know, and acting holy on that particular day. Then they come home and take off their garments, holy garments. We might use that as an illustration, not literally, but they take off the, you know, they're going Sunday meeting clothes off, off, get their regularly worldly clothes on and their worldly attitude and conduct themselves in a worldly way, thinking that everything's okay between them and God because they served him Sunday morning. Well, the neighbors are reading that person. They know what kind of hypocrite they are. And that's a bad story to tell your neighbors, claiming one thing but practicing something different. You know, Milton, uh, a member of
0: the church here told me that he went to a place of business. And he had this fellow do some stuff for him. And he went there to get it fixed. And while he was there, in about 20 minutes, that guy used every cuss word just about that you could use. Mm -hmm. You know, just blankety-blank this and blankety-blank that. And then the member of the church here asks, well, what do I owe you? Oh, i got to be fair with you because one day I'm going to stand before God. What? (laughs) You're standing before God when you're taking his name in vain Mm -hmm. for crying out loud. You know, people think they can do that kind of stuff and yet be right in the sight of God. That amazes me.
1: It is. You know, that
0: people can do those kind of things. You know, you're talking about Jeffrey Dahmer. And that was a good illustration, Milton. Here's a man that lived many of his days in the wrath of God's sight. Yes. God was very displeased. Yes. Can you imagine? He, like you say, killed people. And then he ate them and buried bodies, I think, under his house, if I remember correctly. I think so. And then he was caught. And they put him in prison, like you say. Then he received a tract, and the gospel preacher went and taught him the truth. Now, here's a man that was had a major sin problem, but then he had a time problem. He was running out of time as well. He didn't know it when he went to prison. He wasn't going to live that long. He got killed in prison. But before he ran out of time, He did what God wanted him to do. Yes. He took care of his sin problem. Yep, sure did. And that's what we got to do. Yeah. We're running out of time. Think of all the people, folks, that died
1: who one day they were going to obey God, but they never got there. I'd hate to think about living in sin and and dying in sin when I was living that lifestyle well, yeah. oh, that kind—that of, was scary. When you think about it now, you don't know, say, Boy, I could have died like that. Oh, yeah. And I've been eternally lost. That's right. But, boy, I'm sure glad it worked out that I had time available to change like Dahmer did and so many others, and us as well. That's right. And we got to
0: make sure that we take care of the problems. Arise to Truth, you on the air. Go ahead, please.
2: Uh, yes, I, I was listening to you earlier. You were talking about the... Uh, the narrow way and the wide broad way. The uh, wide is the gate and broad is the way, and there and straight is the gate and narrow is the way. Uh, can you enter the straight gate more than
0: once? Well, you can enter the straight gate, be born again, and become a child of God only one time. But you can become an unfaithful child of God and very out of the way according to the scriptures.
2: So you you go back from the narrow way to the broad
0: way. Yeah, yeah.
2: So then, so then you have to enter back in at the straight gate.
0: Well, you have to get back on the straight and narrow way, absolutely.
2: So you can enter the straight gate more than one time.
0: Well, as far as being born again, you only be born again one time, but you can become an unfaithful child of God. Okay.
2: Can you give me the? Yeah, can you give me a verse in the Bible
0: to tell me that? Oh, I can give you a bunch of them. It's, no, it's Just one. It's, okay. Just one that tells me that
2: an unfaithful person, uh, when they're unfaithful, goes back to the Broadway.
0: Okay. All right. I'll be glad to do that, okay? You listen, and uh, if you have other thoughts, call in after we read the verses, okay?
2: Uh, thank you so much.
0: Oh, thank you. Bye. Yeah, there's a. It's guesstimated that there's over fifteen hundred verses in the Bible that teaches that a child of God can lose his way and thus need to repent and come back home.
1: I got one of them here. Okay, question. go ahead. Second read. Peter chapter two.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, begin verse twenty says, "Where after after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ." They are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to know the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it's happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned back to his own vomit again, the sow that is washing to her in the mire. Here are those who obeyed the gospel of Christ, lived a faithful Christian life, and then they turned back again. It's going to be worse for them. We've been talking about everlasting punishment. Can you imagine, you know, living the faithful Christian life, doing everything right, and then turn away from that which you obeyed, and now going back to living your old lifestyle again? Oh, that would be the worst there is.
0: That's right, Milton. I want to emphasize some of the language of what you read. Now, this is 2 Peter 2. I'm going to read verse 20 again. For if after they've escaped the pollutions of the world, that's not air pollution, That's not water pollution. That's sin. Mm -hmm. Through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, that's the way you do it. And you shall know the truth. The truth shall make you free. They are again entangled therein. Notice, they are again entangled therein. They went back and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. Now notice, they were saved from their sins and the pollution of the world. And they were on their way to glory, the straight and narrow way. Then they're entangled again in the things of the world and overcome. Well, the latter end is worse than what they were at the beginning. Isn't that amazing? Now let me read up here uh, verse 14 of chapter 2. Having eyes full of adultery, well, that's an ungodly person. That cannot cease from sin, that's an ungodly person. Beguiling unstable souls, that's an ungodly person. A heart they have exercised with covetous practices, well, that's an ungodly person. Curse children oh here's somebody's children that's cursed. Now, whose children are they? Which have forsaken the right way. They were on the right way, and they forsook it, and are gone astray. And notice they weren't astray, but they have gone astray. Following the way of Balaam, which was a prophet of God that went astray, the son of Beor... Who love the wages of unrighteousness. Now let's go to James five. Oh you don't buy scriptures. We're loaded with scriptures on people that got off the straight and narrow way. James five, nineteen and twenty. Brethren notice we're talking to brethren. If any of you, you who brethren, do err from the truth. Notice they got the truth, but err from it. And one, convert him. Notice a brother who errs from the truth is a brother that needs to be converted. Let him know. Notice what he can know. That he which converteth the sinner. Notice a child of God that has erred from the right way is called a sinner. Let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Now, when it says, shall save a soul from death, that's not talking about physical death. That's spiritual death. Because he's going to die whether he repents or not. Because the Bible says it's appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. But notice what happens then. He hides a multitude of sins. Now, what about Judas Iscariot? In John 17, in verse number twenty, truly the Lord's prayer. Notice what the word of God says. I said John seventeen twenty. It's not John seventeen twenty.
1: Well you look at that. Let me give you another example. Okay. In Acts chapter eight, we have Simon who used to be a sorcerer. Now he was doing really evil in his sight. When he heard heard the gospel being preached, he believed he became a believer and was baptized. And uh he saw the miracles and signs that the apostles had done. Then he said, uh, Oh, give me also this power that I may lay hands on, lay hands and receive, that they may receive, receive the Holy Ghost as well to buy the Holy Spirit. So he saw that, so he went back to his former manner of life concerning money, you know, how he can get money. Then Peter rebuked him. Verse 20 Peter said to him, Thy money perish with thee because thou hast thought that the gift of God may purchase thee with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness. Pray to God, perhaps the thought of thy heart may be forgiven thee. And he asked them to do that. So here's the one to talk about Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. He entered in the narrow gate, going down that narrow pathway. But because he of greed and money, the lust of it, he uh, was turning towards a different direction. And somebody had to re- remind him. That he needs to turn and come back to that narrow gate again, Wesley, well, in that sense. That's exactly That's right. So there's an example about that. Now John seventeen twenty, Judas Iscariot. Now I challenge
0: you to read Matthew ten. In Matthew chapter ten, you'll see the apostles, including Judas Iscariot, had the Holy Spirit and worked miracles by the Holy Spirit, and if they were brought before magistrates, kings, leaders of that nature. The Lord said take no thought what you're going to say because it shall be given you by the Spirit what you will say in that day. Now listen to what Jesus said about him. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Talking about the apostles. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept. And none of them is lost but the son of perdition. That the scripture might be fulfilled. So here we see Judas Iscariot, who once was definitely saved and an apostle of our Lord, who betrayed our Lord for 30 pieces of silver. And according to Matthew 27, about 3 through 7, he, seeing he had betrayed innocent blood, committed suicide. Oh, he felt the guilt of his sin, but he didn't deal with his sin problem correctly, and so he killed himself. And so here's the man that Jesus said had been better for this man had he never been born. Now, here's the choices we have. We either believe all these scriptures, and there's a multitude of them, we have just begun to read scriptures that show you can get off that straight and narrow way. Or you got to hold the view that Sam Morris, the Baptist preacher, held and promoted in a tract. When he said, All the sins that a man may commit after being a child of God, from murder to adultery, adultery, will not endanger your soul one bit. So then, if you can't get off the straight and narrow way, you can be a praxing homosexual. And by the way, we've had people call in here in years gone by saying after you're born again, you can be a praxing homosexual and heaven is yours. Why, you can be an adulterer or adulteress. You can run around on your wife all you want to and you're still going to be there when the role is called. friends. We got to know that we know the Lord. How do we know we know the Lord? Hereby do we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Now watch it. He that saith I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Now that's either true or false, First John 2, 3, and 4. Well, I guarantee you it is true. What about the five foolish virgins that were in the kingdom? In Matthew 25, what about the man with one talent that was in the kingdom? We're talking about the kingdom of God, but wound up lost because he did not develop his talent. What about the people in Matthew 25 that saw people naked and hungry and in prison and sick and wouldn't administer to their needs? They were in the kingdom, the kingdom of the Christ, and wound up lost. Oh, man, there's so many
1: scriptures. It'd be impossible to read all those scriptures over the air. Yeah, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 is goes hand in hand with what you read in James chapter 5, verse 19 and 20. Brethren, if a man be overtaken at a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. So if you're driving along there and you see one of your members of the church where you worship at, you see him doing a sinful act. And so you know about it, so you go take care of the matter. Try to bring him, restore him back, according to James chapter 5, verse 19 and 20, to save his soul so he won't keep continue in that sinful act that he's doing. So we have that responsibility to keep uh, keep souls from going in, in danger of that place of everlasting torment. Even the Holy Spirit himself warned about this in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Now, the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. You've got to be in the faith before you depart from it. When you depart from the faith, you get off the straight and narrow way. Yeah, absolutely. Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So people are listening to the wrong message. what is the problem is, like Galatians chapter 1, that Paul was amazed that they had so soon removed themselves from the doctrines of Christ, you know. And uh, that's how some people are old. So yeah, you have to be in the faith before you can uh, depart from it, and so this is a serious condition that people need to need to think about. That that's right. Some angels
0: fell. How they fall? According to Jude six and Second Peter two and verse number four. You can fall. what Paul mean. Take heed lest you fall. What does that mean? Wicked souls sin as to be eternally lost even after being born again. Church discipline was instituted so that we, the church, would withdraw fellowship from members of the church that lived an ungodly life, Second Thessalonians 3, verse number 6. Well, the clock's caught us. Let me sum up Psalm 90 right fast. Well, since we got a sin problem and a time problem, you know what the Bible says? Number your days, seek the mercy of God. Boy, that's what we got to do, folks. Number our days, apply our hearts unto wisdom. It says that when I take my last breath, all will be well with my soul. Then you got these ungodly preachers teaching once saved, always saved. My, my, my friends, we're trying to sell you on loving God, putting God first, living for God. Now, who do you think's working for God when a preacher says you can live? any ungodly way you want to and go to heaven. And we say, no, you got to love God and put him first. Well, why don't you hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized for the remission of your sins, allow the Lord to add you to his church, and then love him with all your heart, put him first, and live for him. Hey, thank you much for being with us, and may God richly bless you as you continue to study the greatest of all books, the inspired, inerrant, perfect will of God.